Bonjour. Konnichiwa. I am Frederic Rigolo, News Director of Belmont Media Center. And I'm Komako Akai Whitelaw, Citizen Journalist for BMC. Welcome to our new podcast series, Power of Music. What makes us musicians? What draws us into music? Those are the core questions we hope this podcast series answers. In this first season, we interview Powers Music School faculty members. We'd like to give special thanks to Kelly Weber and Gavin Farrell for their support. The production of our podcast incidentally coincided with the COVID-19 pandemic, which reminds us how music heals us, how music brings us joy, and how music brings us together. Our second episode, Music is a Way to Explore, features Viola da Gamba player and power music school teacher James Paretta. My name is James Peretta, and I teach viola da gamba at the Powers Music School. Yeah, so why do I like early music? Why do I like Renaissance and Baroque music? I started playing the cello um, in fourth grade. The reason that I decided to play the cello was because I, I had this memory of seeing Yo-Yo Ma on Mr. Rogers. And some, for some reason, that just stuck with me, and I was really inspired by that, and I just, I just wanted to play the cello. Um, and so when, when the time came, I said, Mom, I want to play the cello, and the rest is history. <laughs> Originally, so as a cellist, we all learned to play the Bach unaccompanied cello suites, which are really great pieces of music. For the longest time, learning those pieces from the perspective of a modern cello, uh, of a modern cellist, I couldn't really figure them out. It seemed like something was missing. And then when I heard about early music and then listened to some recordings of, of people playing those on, on Baroque cello, it just it really just seemed to click. Like that something that was missing was there when that music was approached from a historical perspective. From the perspective of a classical musician, it's like there's Bach and there's nothing before Bach. But then once you sort of cross over that barrier, it's like this whole new, this vast array of composers that you've never heard of who wrote amazing music just opens up um, and there's different styles and even like different countries around the same time period, like composers from those countries wrote music very differently. So.
That was a prelude in E minor by Christopher Simpson. Smiths are good fellows to blow the bellows, though their games be small when the iron is hot. Thy pot and my pot, thy pot and my pot, thy pot and my pot, their hammers call. Thy pot and my pot, thy pot and my pot, thy pot and my pot, their hammers call. This piece is called Smiths Are Good Fellows by William Wigthorpe, and it was originally a madrigal for five voices. And so this was common practice to take multi-voice madrigals and reduce them so that you can sing one line and play the others on the viol. There are a couple of different common settings that you might find viol playing in historically. If we go over to France, the viol was very, very popular amongst court musicians. In England, the viol was an extremely popular recreational instrument, as well as being popular in the courts. The viola da gamba, or the viol, uh, if we're using the, the English term for it, um, is an instrument that was very popular in the Renaissance in Italy and England. You hold it between your legs, which is why it's called viola da gamba. Uh, gamba is Italian for leg. The instruments in the viola da gamba family come in different sizes, and these sizes actually correspond pretty directly to different registers of the human voice. And so when you have vocal music from the Renaissance, you can actually just take that exact same music and play it on those appropriate size of viols. It was a fairly common practice for the viola da gamba to be used to accompany the solo voice. And so this idea, this forgotten art of accompanying the voice with the viol is the foundation of uh, a duo that I co-founded called Lyrical. In terms of accompanying this, the voice with the viol, you could have two separate musicians. You could have one singer and one viol player, which is what we do in Lyrical. But you can also accompany yourself, which is something that I've enjoyed doing um, since I started taking voice lessons. Hello, hello, is the white mare fellow? Hold foot while I strike Stand fast with opinion It's but an opinion Hell has the sight It's but an opinion Hell hurts the sight Thy pot and my pot, thy pot and my pot, thy pot and my pot, their hammers call. Thy pot and my pot, thy pot and my pot, thy pot and my pot, their hammers call. So improvisation was a major aspect of viol playing historically. And, and not just viol playing, but other instruments and singers as well uh, during the Renaissance and even into the Baroque periods. And that's something that as modern classical musicians, we have more or less forgotten about. 
while I was going through high school and into college a little bit, a couple opportunities came up for me to attend a jazz workshop. And so I had had some exposure to, to improvisation, but it wasn't really until I started playing the viola da gamba that I started really feeling comfortable with it, thanks largely to my teacher, Enid Sutherland, who I studied viol and previously Baroque cello with while I was at University of Michigan. So one of the things that I learned from Enid is about the different styles of improvising on the viol that are even just within a couple hundred years of each other. So I, I have two examples um, to share with respect to this. The first was Diego Ortiz, who wrote a treatise about how to improvise on the viol over some ground basses. A ground bass is a, is a bass line that just repeats over and over again. Nowadays, this is referred to as uh, pasamezzo antico. Incidentally, you can use this bass line for the uh, verse of the popular song, Green Sleeves. And so if, uh, just to show um, how that works with green sleeves, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in another key so I can sing over it. Uh, we would have, Alas, my love, ye do me wrong to cast me off discourteously, for I have loved you so long, delighting in your company. One of the things that I have started doing since the pandemic, because I can't go and improvise with other people, and so I bought a few pieces of equipment. One is a pickup that attaches to my viol, then I can use that to connect to an amplifier. And then the other thing that I got was a loop pedal, and what that lets me do is it lets me play a bass line and then the pedal will take what I've just recorded into it and repeat it back to me over and over again so that I can improvise over it. Thank you. 
So that's a little improvising over Passamezzo Antico. So then if we go 100, 150 or so years later to the early 1600s in England, a viol player named Christopher Simpson uh, wrote a treatise about how to play the viol. And one of the main things that he talks about in this treatise is how to take a bass line and divide it or break it up into smaller pieces and add smaller notes that work over that same bass line. Because some of the things that are characteristic of it are these very virtuosic jumping up and down the instrument. The harmonic rules have gotten a little bit more flexible. Uh, so now I'll share with you some improvised divisions on one of the grounds that uh, Simpson includes in his book. I would say that there is quite a bit of music uh, that's happened in my family. Just all love music and love making music together for fun, which incidentally, making music for fun is something that I have kind of had to rediscover. Going to University of Michigan and studying cello with Richard Aaron, who's one of the probably one of the best cello pedagogues in the world right now, I learned so, so, so much and really, really developed as a cellist and a musician. During my final year of my undergrad degree in cello, um, I actually got injured. So I did some physical therapy, was able to get through my senior recital, and then took about nine months straight not playing the cello at all. And then after that, you know, I figured, because in the back of my mind, I had wanted to, to pick up the viola da gamba, and one that I might add is also just much easier uh, on my hands. Since the strings are made out of gut, the tension tends to be a lot lower. And the instrument is actually tuned uh, lower than modern classical pitch. And so that lowers the tension um, as well. But it wasn't until I went to the Viola da Gamba Society conclave that I sort of rediscovered, oh, wait, people do this for fun. I should figure out, like, what kinds of music do I like to play just because it makes me happy, not necessarily because I'm good at it. When I attended the, the conclave for the first time and liked it so much that I decided that I wanted to have a viol consort. 
at uh, the school that I was attending at the time, which was University of Michigan. And so I found some willing friends, victims perhaps. And so I taught them how to play the viol and we had a consort and it was a really, really, really fun experience. So the term consort, as in a viol consort, is just a group of musicians uh, playing together. So with a viol consort, it's a group of musicians who are all playing different sizes of viol together. In, in the viola da gamba community, we really like to get together and play concert music for fun. One really cool experience I had was, of course, at the Viola da Gamba Society Conclave. When we play concert music for fun, we usually sit in a circle because it's very much music for the performers rather than for an audience. And so what I decided to do was sit in the middle of that circle and close my eyes and listen, just hearing the, the voices coming from in front of me or behind me or to the side. Was, it, was, it was so cool. When you look at music from before Bach, you see a lot of things that kind of stopped happening when you look into like the classical and romantic and into more contemporary classical music. But incidentally, if you look at folk music or even modern popular music, there are a lot of ways that Renaissance music is actually very similar to these modern styles of music. And that I just find that very interesting. So this one bass line in particular was used a lot in the Baroque era, and you also see it in the Renaissance, this sort of descending stepwise bass line. Uh, you also see, if you're, if you're talking about, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. So that bass line has been around for hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of years. Incidentally, that bass line also shows up in... I don't wanna be a fool in this game for two, so I'm leaving you behind. So even NSYNC has used that bass line as well. And to me, there's just something really, really cool about that. <laughs> So most recently, I've actually started uh, making viol arrangements of video game music, trying to figure out what tunes work on one viol since it's such a chordal instrument. I was so happy just that sound, like that tune that I liked listening to so much that I was making that sound. It was like one of the best feelings I've ever had as a musician. Teaching is something that I've enjoyed doing for a very, very long time. One of the most important things about teaching to me is being able to share my uh, knowledge and experience with other people. A lot of the people who have made some of the biggest differences in my life have been teachers, and they've given me so much time over the years. And the only way that I can ever really hope to repay them is by doing the same for my own students. One of the things that I'll encourage my students to do is, even if you don't have a lot of time, or even if you don't necessarily play the pieces that I have assigned to you because oh, I am your teacher and blah, 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 just 
picking up your instrument and playing it and playing something you like on it is still really, really, really important. And I think it's also helpful for me, especially as a teacher, to force myself to be a beginner at something because that way I know how my students feel. And in some ways it's actually harder to be a beginner if you're already good at something else because it's easy to forget like how much time it took you to get to that point. I have not been singing for very long. The time I really started taking voice lessons was, uh, I want to say 2018, I started taking lessons with, with a graduate student. And really the reason that I wanted to do that was so that I could sing and accompany myself on the vial. That, that has helped open up a lot of other things that I can do on the vial, whether that's doing Renaissance music, singing and accompanying myself, or I've done that with, with jazz standards a little bit for fun. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's definitely still new to me, and I don't know where it's going to go yet, but that's okay, it's exciting. So I've, um, I've sort of come full circle a little bit, having dabbled in jazz a little bit as a cellist. And I actually started taking jazz lessons with a friend of mine recently, having gotten to the point where I feel pretty comfortable with 16th and 17th century improvisation. I figured, why not play more jazz as well? Because I really like playing jazz. And interestingly enough, the viol is actually a pretty great instrument for jazz. It's, it's extremely versatile. I can walk bass, I can comp in the inner parts, I can solo, I can pretend that the instrument is a guitar and play, for example, bossa novas work very nicely on the instrument and have this really, really dark sound. Music is definitely a way for me to explore. To the, to the music department at University of Michigan's credit, the first required musicology course that everyone had to take freshman year was a world music or ethnomusicology class. And so that sort of exposed us a little bit to what is music like outside of the classical canon. Those sorts of experiences where someone just lets you know that something exists, I think are extremely valuable. I mean, that's how I got into early music in the first place. This sort of desire to just find new things that, you know, I didn't even know that I liked or even existed definitely drives me as, as a musician. Thank mm -hmm. you.
This episode was edited by Komako Akai Whitelow. Next week, meet with Yov Salazar Fonseca, Powers Music School violin teacher and youth orchestra director. That was a moment where I started to realize that music is not only meant for the concert hall or for entertainment or for workout or for, you know, to be relaxed or music is meant to, to be in your life uh, from the beginning all the way to the end of your life.